All right, good evening. It's great to be here tonight in the house of God. I appreciate Pastor Tommy giving me this opportunity. It's really exciting to see, as he said, you know, being a former pastor, it's exciting to see the way things are going here, our second anniversary. And uh, I want to I look at something tonight as you turn with me in uh, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to look at something tonight that I think is going to help us as a church, as we move forward, it should help us grow. It should it should challenge us a little bit. And again, I said I believe it'll help us grow because the Bible says it'll help us grow. And I'm not one of those people that that uh, get wrapped around this. What's that saying? God said it. Uh, I believe it. That settles it. Well, last time I checked, if God says it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. I know a whole bunch of people that didn't believe that it was going to rain, but Noah did. Yeah. When God says it, it settles it. So again, um, prayed about this, and I am thankful for the opportunity. But on September 11, 2011, Pastor Tommy and his family, in obedience to God's will, started Liberty Baptist Church here in Rock Falls, Illinois. This week marks the two-year anniversary of the beginning of this great work. And as I stand here tonight, you know, pointing out earlier that. Um, just being here for the last couple months and, and the visitors that we've had come in, uh, Brother Runyon, and I'm terrible at names, I'm not going to remember them all, but some of the, the missionaries we've had come in, I've heard it several times, I know you guys have heard it, this church is greatly blessed. And as I stand here tonight, I say the same thing, because for a two-year period, it, Pastor Tommy, I know what he went through, it, it's nerve-wracking to, to go to an area you don't know that well, even though he was only an hour away, you don't know the area that well, you don't know very many people there, but you want to give God everything you possibly can, and you want this work for God to work out, to, to be a blessing to the community, to see people saved and all those things. And, and uh, this church is blessed. This church has been blessed by the people that are here. There's no doubt. These missionaries and these, and these people coming up here, I've been to many churches. I've, I've seen many missionaries come in. They don't get up and say that in front of every church. They're not coming up here and telling us that just to make us feel good. They're being serious. This church has been greatly blessed. But as we move forward, how, do we want to continue, or how are we going to continue to be blessed? How do we continue to grow? You know, thankful that we had 43 in attendance last Sunday. I'm not sure what we had this morning. That's great. But two years from now, we don't want to still have 43 people in attendance. We hope to grow. We hope to see more people saved. We hope to see more people reach for God. We hope to, 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 to see things in the community working out. And, you know, I said it when we first came to this church. The Bible talks about, in John 15, 16, talks about, it says, I did not, or you did not choose me, but I chose you and ordained you that you may bring forth fruit. This church needs to bring forth fruit. And to do that, I want to give something to you that I believe will help us do that. And uh, looking in 1 Kings chapter 19 here, I'm going to start reading in, in uh, verse 19. Chapter 19, verse 19. And this is the story of Elisha and Elijah. And it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. 
And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh, the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I, over the years of being in several different churches and, and having listening to many different pastors and many different service, services, I've seen this passage of Scripture here used in many different ways. A lot of the times it's used as, as, a, as a calling from God and, and talking about uh, leaving everything behind and, and following God. But the scripture I want, the part here of this scripture I want to really concentrate on tonight is the very last sentence there. It says, Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Think about that for a second. We're talking about Elijah here. And if you back up into the chapter just a little bit, Elijah's feeling, Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. Uh, he's got some problems in his life. He goes and hides out in a cave and God comes and gets him and He says, this is what I want you to do. And He tells him to go get Elisha because it's towards the end of his ministry. He needs somebody to take his mantle and carry it. So Elijah goes and gets Elisha and, and that's where we pick it up at here. It says Elisha follows him and he ministers unto him. But Elijah is toward the end of his ministry here. This is the man that in 1 King 18.37 says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that Thou art the Lord God and Thou hast turned their heart back again. And then he calls the fire down from heaven and it consumes the, the, the sacrifice and the, and, the, and the table. and It says it even sucks up all the water that's on the ground there. This is the man that goes to the widow's house and, 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 and by, by faith he's fed out of the, the cruise of oil and the, and the uh, cornbread there, and the cornmeal there for, for a long time. This is the man that goes, same widow, the widow's house, and, and the son passes away and he stretches his body out over the, the, the body of the, the dead child. He brings the child back to life by his faith in God. This is the man, the prophet that was strong enough to, to stand up to, to the wicked king Ahab and, and to stand up to Jezebel and, and did whatever he had to do to stand up for God. Why did Elijah need to be ministered unto? Wouldn't you think it's the other way around? That's the way we think of it today. We think when we come to church, we think that we're here for Pastor Tommy to minister to us. But why did Elijah need to be ministered unto? To understand this, to get to the bottom of what I want to help us with tonight, you almost kind of need to understand the differences in the words here. In today's world, I guess you can say, in our vocabulary today, if you think of the leader of a church, we hear him called several different things. We have a pastor which is what we call Pastor Tommy. We have a preacher. You hear of a minister. And sometimes you hear of a reverend. And it might seem elementary to a point, but as I was preparing this message, I I got to uh, speak to a couple Christians I knew, and I asked them that question. What's the difference between a pastor and a preacher? And a lot of people don't know. And even as I was looking into this, I learned something that really blew my mind. I'm going to share it with you here in just a second. But I learned something that I never knew before. I know that's hard to believe because if you ask my wife, she'll tell you I know everything, but that's not true. And I'm trying not to take a lot of time here, but 
A pastor is mentioned in the Bible in the singular tense there one time. The word pastor. If you look it up, plural is pastors. It's mentioned eight times. It's a noun. That's important. Uh, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. It means a shepherd, one that has the care of flocks and herds, a minister of the gospel who has the charge of a church and congregation whose duty is to watch over the people of his charge. That's the key phrase there. Obviously, it's not the same thing as a minister because the word minister is used here as a verb or as a noun again, but it's used here in a definition, but it's a minister of the gospel who has charge of the church. Okay, a preacher mentioned in the Bible, all, uh, all in the plural tense every time, 11 times. It says, one who discourses publicly on religious subjects. One that incalculates anything with earnestness. So just to break this down real simple here real quick. If you were to say the difference between me and Pastor Tommy, I would say Pastor Tommy as a pastor. That's why I call him Pastor Tommy. Imagine that. I would consider myself a preacher. I'm not pastoring a church. Last year when I was pastoring a church, I was a pastor. There's a difference there. The Bible says there's a difference. The pastor in the Bible is given an extra crown. The word reverend. This is what I learned this week. This actually surprised me. Now, very rarely, and everybody knows, and I say it all the time, when I go to work, everybody knows who I am. I make it well known for for a couple reasons. One is for a witness if they want to ask somebody who you know they have a problem, say, "Hey, will you pray for me?" That's being a witness. Sometimes it's just because I don't want them getting out of my van, and I don't want to listen to the language and everything else that they they usually would say if they if they didn't know I was a pastor, so or a preacher or whatever you want to call it. But very rarely when I have people introduce me up there. If I if someone runs into uh, maybe we get new people in or we get new patients that don't I hear people say he's a pastor no, don't get or I hear someone starting to cuss on the back of the bus and someone else say hey he's a pastor don't do that on here and uh, I I appreciate that because I don't want to hear it but every once in a while up up in Chicago I do get referred to as Reverend and I point that out and I'm not trying to be racist at all but it's mainly the black churches that I see that refer to people as Reverend it's not all of them and I'm not saying that like I said I'm not trying to be racist or anything but I didn't know this until I started looking this up the word Reverend is found in the Bible does anybody want to guess how many times the word Reverend is in the Bible one time and you got to know just, just think for a second. If the word reverend is in the Bible one time, it's not talking about me and it's not talking about Pastor Tommy. It's Psalms 119, verse 9. And it says, Reverend His name. It's kind of funny I found that because I've always felt weird when somebody says that. And I never understood why. The, the, the meaning of it is it's an adjective meaning worthy of reverence. Hey, I'm not worthy of reverence. Now, I, I agree with Pastor Tommy. I don't remember if it was Wednesday night or last Sunday night he was talking about doing the work of God and, and how it's a, a, a privilege and an honor to be up here. I don't even feel like I'm worthy to be up here half the time. I'm definitely not worthy of reverence. And I, I will definitely make it more of a point when someone calls me reverend now to correct them. Don't read Psalm 119.9. Don't call me that. I'm not worthy of that. But the word minister is in the Bible 
Remember, we're getting to hear why did Elijah need to be ministered unto? The word minister is in the Bible. It said 98 verses listed 100 times. That means it's either in one verse twice or one verse three times. Or two verses twice or one verse three times. 100 times. It's a verb to give, to afford, or to supply, to attend to, to serve, to perform service in any office, to, to afford supplies, to give things needful, to supply the means of relief, or to relieve. As a noun, properly used means a chief servant. The word minister is in the Bible so many times because it's extremely important to the ministry of the church. When we refer to somebody as a minister, a lot of times we think of we think of the head of a church. Somebody that's in charge of that church, but that's not the only thing that the word minister means. You know, the Bible is clear that we are to minister to each other. And we think of, nowadays we think of, we're going to go to church and we're going to see what Pastor Tommy has for us. But in the Bible, it tells us that we're to minister also to each other. In Acts 20.34 says, Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Pastor Tommy talked about this this morning a little bit with the members of the body all having a certain, a certain job to do. Everybody is called here for a reason. Everybody has a job to do on, as a Christian on earth, everybody has a special need or a special place that God wants you in the church. Everybody has a reason for where God wants you. So, yeah, when we come to church, Pastor Tommy gets up here and he ministers to us. But it's also our job, you know, Brother Menez, asking a couple weeks ago, pray for my father. My father's sick. Uh, uh, Miss LMA, pray for my father. My father's sick. You know, I've asked for prayers for, for some of my health problems. That's, that's one way we minister to each other. You know, it's our job to, to go back and ask, Hey, brother, how's your, how's your father doing? Do I need to keep him on a prayer list? How are you doing this way? I walk in the door every Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Pastor Tommy says the same thing to all of us. How's your week going? How's everything going? He's ministering to us. But it's our job as well to minister to each other. And over over first or uh, I think it's Second Corinthians. I don't even know. It's talk, the Bible talks about edifying each other, which comes from the Greek word paraglathis, which means to build each other up. We are here to help each other, to minister to each other, to build each other up. You know, Pastor talked about the the, the gossip. Oh, that burns me. I hate that. We're not here to tear each other down. We're here to minister to each other. You can't minister to each other if, if we're gossiping, if we're doing all that. And that's not what my message is on, so I'm not going to get on to that. But on top of that, we're also here to minister to Pastor Tommy. You know, we think, we think about coming in here, and I said it a minute ago, we think about what Pastor is going to preach on. What, what he's going to give us. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
you want to be excited about what he's going to preach, but I almost see that in a lot of ways in a lot of churches. I think that's one of the things that hurts a church. I think that's where the attitude comes from. People getting upset with their pastor. He's not fulfilling their expectations or he's not preaching on what they want him to preach on. Or worse yet, he's preaching to me. I think I told you that that joke before. and I don't even remember it. I should have brought it with me. But um, a guy goes up to his pastor and he's all upset. And he says, what's the matter? He says, well, I feel like you were singling me out. I feel like you were preaching to me. He says, well, I, I was preaching to you. What makes you think it, you got to preach to me? He says, you're here. <laughs> I'm not preaching to the ones that aren't here. But people get upset about that. Oh, he's preaching at me. And I told you guys, I said it before. You guys heard me say it before. And I'm sure Pastor Tommy feels the same way. A lot of times the Holy Spirit's preaching to us while we're preaching to you. That's truth. That happens to me more times than not. I'll be reading, I'll be like, man, I didn't see that. He's getting on to me and I'm trying to give it to you at the same time and then I get all confused. <laughs> but we start looking at what the pastor is going to give us. What about what we need to give him? I heard this said before. Pastor Tommy's probably heard it too. And by the way, I'm not trying to elevate Pastor Tommy. I'm not trying to elevate any pastor any higher than what they are. I'm trying to show you what the Bible says about helping each other out. And I know where Pastor Tommy's heart is. And, and he, he, truly wants to, he truly wants to serve God and do God's work. He's not all about himself. He's not all about what's in this for him. But I've heard it said before, and I almost want to say it was Jack Hiles. I heard it the first time in school. Uh, and, and, and the guy was preaching, and he says, you know the pastor is the loneliest person on earth. And until I started pastoring a church, I was preaching before I started pastoring. Before I started pastoring a church, I never understood that. And Pastor Tommy probably don't want to admit it to you, but the job of pastor is pretty lonely sometimes. You know, it's real simple. And, and, and I'm going to show you here. First of all, we don't understand him. There is no way possible, and I don't mean this to be an insult on everybody, but when it comes to being a pastor, nobody in here understands him. You know, it's, 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 has anybody in here ever pastored before? So you don't know what it's like. Has anybody ever played football in here before? You can't say, I know what it's like to get tackled by Brian Erlacher if you've never played football before. You can't say, I know what it's like, you know, in the military... And, and, and this is a common thing, and, and my wife will tell you, this is one of the arguments we used to have, not that we argue very often, but it happens every once in a while. In the military, it's common for people to say, I want to go to Iraq. I want people that have never been there before. I want to do my time. Well, no, you don't. You think you do. I, I'm telling you because I've been there. I thought I did. When I got there, I realized I didn't want to be there. But you don't know, you don't know what you're getting into until you do it. And if you've never pastored before, you're not going to understand what a pastor is going through. You know, the pastor has uh, a bigger burden than any of us can ever imagine. Again, I'm not trying to insult anybody here, but it's kind of like having, what do we have, 43 last night? It's kind of like having 43 kids. You know, you know how it is as a parent, how frustrating it can be to be trying to teach your kids something sometimes and they're not listening or trying to help your kids out when they're not trying to help themselves. But everybody comes to pastor when they have a problem. 
If you have something going on, you go to pastor. And that's fine. That's his job. There's not a problem with that. But that's a burden on him. And even if we were all perfect and we all didn't have problems and everything was going good here, he's still got a burden for Rock Falls and Sterling that we don't understand. That the Holy Spirit gives them. He's got a bigger burden. He has bigger responsibilities than us. He's got a serious job. You know, he, he said it this morning. He, it's a privilege for, for us to come in here to listen to Him. But it's also a privilege for us to listen to Him as well. You know, I spent four years, the last four years of my military service, instructing. Okay? And I was, if anybody in here knows anything about uh, uh, NCO school, I was a BNOC instructor, which, which is school for uh, NCOs. I was a maintenance instructor and I was a supply instructor. And I could walk into that class. Most of the time, the course manager would call me and say, okay, this is the course going on. These are the course numbers you're teaching. No big deal. I got a chance to look over them all that. But there are times when you walk in on a weekend and find out one of the instructors is sick or something. Hey, you've got this class. Okay, I can crack a book open and talk about hydraulics or electronics or brakes all day long. And you know what? If I get something wrong, oh well. I'll fix it when we get out on the base floor. It's not like that when you're preaching out of the Word of God. It, it, it's serious business when you want to bring something from the Word of God and feed it to God's children. You want it to be right. You don't want to get something wrong that's going to hurt somebody. And that's stressful. I was, I was, I was being used at, at our old church before I was a pastor and, and every once in a while I'd be taught to preach. I would get so nervous and it just, it made me so mad. It's like, I could walk in any weekend and teach this class in, in front of people I've never met before. I've known these people for 10 years. They all know me. They all know I'm not perfect. They know uh, I stutter sometimes. They know I'm not eloquent of speech and all that. Why am I so nervous? And I finally realized because I don't want to get anything wrong. Which I still do. But I don't get nervous anymore because I realize I'm going to get something wrong anyway. So don't do me any good to get nervous. But we need to remember our pastor. We need to minister to him. How do we minister to him? The best way is to be here. You know, it's, it is so frustrating. You know, Pastor really does like us. Brother Menez, I know he, he acts like he don't like you, but it's just because you laughed at him when he got shocked, okay? He really likes you. It is so frustrating as a pastor. You have, you have these, these, these people coming in and you want to do everything to get everything right and you spend all week studying and making sure you're right and you get up here and somebody's missing. And now... You're really worried about them. You know, I've heard pastors stand up here and say many times, I love you guys. Every one of us knows as a parent, if, if we go into our children's room or we go somewhere where our children are supposed to be and they're not there, what happens? We get worried. Now he's up here trying to preach a message to everybody else, but he's worried about you. And if you're not going to be here, at least call him and say, Hey, pastor, I, I can't make it tonight. You know, this is what's going on. Don't worry about me. Or pray for me. Maybe, maybe he does need to worry about you, but at least he knows where he's at, where you're at. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a common courtesy thing. Be here for church. It's really depressing when people don't show up. I know. <laughs> Be here for the work days. You know, this isn't his building. 
This isn't my building. This is our building. He can't do everything on his own. You know, it needs we 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 need uh, 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 brother TC to come up here and build something. You know what? I could have built this platform too. I guarantee you, it wouldn't look this good. Ask my wife what carpentry work looks like when I work on it. Okay? No, don't, because you'll have a long night if you do. But we all have a gift for a reason. We need to be willing to use it. Be here for the fellowships. Be here for the the the. Um, what was that thing called yesterday? The yard sale that nobody liked. <laughs> Come for those things. You know, it was said this morning. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, all this stuff. But we had a good fellowship anyway. Be here for that kind of stuff. It's uplifting even... That, that's not just ministering to pastor. That's ministering to each other. That's a way to cover all of it. Another way we can, we can minister to the pastor is pray for him. Part of the pastor's job is to pray for us we need to pray for him as well. You know, it's easy to forget Pastor in our prayers because he never asks for it. But we need to be praying for him. You know, if you look at John 17, the true model prayer, where Jesus is actually praying for something, what's he praying for? He's praying for others. He's trying to uplift others to his Father. None of that in there is about himself. We need to pray for our Pastor. We need to listen to our pastor. This is kind of twofold here. We need to listen to his needs. You know, last week he came up here, Pastor Tommy came up here and he said he had a frog in his throat and I felt terrible for him, but for some reason it just didn't sink in. But luckily somebody thought of it because Emily went and got him some water. That's ministry under the pastor. You know what I was talking about earlier? One of my first Sundays here, Brother Garmer came up and he says, hey, I found out about a need the pastor has and as a church, we're going to take care of it. And that right there sealed the deal for me. It says, this is the church I want to be in. A church that cares about each other and cares about their pastor. This is where I want to be. Which didn't really matter because I was trying to listen to where God wanted me to be, but it's a little bit better when you want to be there too. But we need to listen to His needs. We need to listen to his teaching. You know, he's he's spent it all week. He, he's going through all this stuff to identify what we need to listen to the Holy Spirit to study this stuff out and to bring it to us in a way that's going to teach it. And like he said this morning, it doesn't do any good for him to get up here and preach it and for us to act it in church. But if we're not acting it at home, it's worthless. The pastor has a huge burden when it comes to this. It's, it's, it's the pain of, of trying to get us to grow and watching people not grow. It stinks. I say, well, how else can I say this? What else can I do? We need to listen to what He's trying to teach us. I don't want to get into this too much because I, I know um, Pastor might be looking at this for a different sermon, but Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. He comes up here and he might say something that gets us upset. I get mad at him every week. No, I'm just kidding, I don't. But when we have the wrong attitude about it, that's unprofitable for us. 
You know, think about that as a parent. You go to your teenager and you try to say, okay, this is a mistake I made or this is something I've done or this is something I've seen somebody else do. This is not something you want to do. And when you disobey, it's not hurting them. That's unprofitable to you. When you tell that little kid, don't touch that, it's hot. When that little kid touches it, that's unprofitable to them. That hurts them. Yeah, we don't like to see them hurt, but they're the ones that are really hurt, right? We need to minister to their pastor every chance we get. He prays for us when we have needs. You know, some of the most well-known characters in the Bible had people ministering to them. Acts 19.22 says, So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. Talking about Paul here. Paul had people ministering unto him. Wasn't he a church planner? Moses had Joshua. Elijah had Elisha. And you know, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 6, this is another a little tidbit here. I'll give you this part for free. When it's talking about Elisha and Elijah, now I forgot what I was going to say. What's it called? The servant of God. A servant of the man of God. That's how it refers to Elisha. It doesn't even call him by name. It says he's a servant of the man of God. Second Kings chapter six, I think verse eight, where it's talking about uh, Elisha and Elijah, and they got the the the, the army surrounding them, and, and and Elijah says, "Hey, look at God's army." He says, "God, please show him. Let him see your army." And, he, and God opens his eyes, and the angels are all around him. A servant of the man of God. That's that's all he is. That that's what we need to be: a servant of the man of God. You know, even Jesus Christ, when He was on earth, He had the angels come minister to Him. Pastor Tommy's no different than any other men of God. He needs us to minister to Him. Just as we need Him to minister to us. And you say, okay, well you never answered my question. Why does Elijah need a minister? I don't have to answer your question. The Bible does. 2 Corinthians 9.10 now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He that ministereth seed to the sower. Isn't Pastor Tommy the sower here? Isn't he the one ministering to us and trying to minister to Rock Falls and Sterling? He needs somebody to minister to him. The Bible says. That's how we multiply our seed sown, and that's how we increase the fruits of our righteousness. That's how we're going to grow as a church. Where do we want to be in 10 years? 43 people? Or do we want to see the sanctuary gone and, and, and maybe double sized facing that way or whatever? I, Pastor Tommy's already thinking about it. You know, I don't know the time frame between the time God called him here and the time he actually got here and started this church. But when God called him here, between that time frame, God and the Holy Spirit gave Pastor Tommy a vision. And I don't know where that vision was compared to where we are now, but I guarantee you as the church went on and as we grow and as we get more people, that vision changes. 
That vision keeps going. I've already talked to him on a couple occasions where he says, well, maybe in the future we can move this and we can move that for more people. Or maybe one of these days we can move this wall. He's already thinking ahead, which he should be. But we should be doing the same thing. We should be saying, where do we want to be in 10 years? Yeah, this is a nice building, but it could be better. It can be bigger. I love to tell the story. I call it the tale of two churches. This is something this is something that meant a lot to me when I learned this. I was going through seminary school and and uh we visited a, a church up in Gaylord, Michigan. Most of you have heard of it or are familiar with it, maybe I know Pastor Tommy is Grace Baptist Church. And just just a a great ministry going on up there. They got a church of I think three hundred and something. They've got um a college, they've got a Christian school, they've got all these things going on. And we were up there for the teen spec one year, something they have every year for teenagers. And um, I found out that church is only 25 years old. It's actually it's probably 27 or 28 now, but that year was their 25th anniversary. And that really struck me because the church we were in was 20, 23 or 24. They were only a year younger. We didn't have any of that stuff. And it was kind of weird because I started thinking about it, and it was um, it was right after that I listened to a oh no, I can't even think of his name Doctor Jenkins up there I listened to one of his messages and he brought that up he says a lot of people want to know how we got to where we're at he said I just keep, continue to pray for it he says I pray for the church I pray for this I pray for that but Gaylord Michigan. I'm trying to think is 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 the towns out here are set up a little bit different. You either have everything or corn. So it's a little bit different out here than Michigan. But Gaylord, Michigan, I was very familiar with because it's right next to Grayling, which is like the place you don't want to go if you're in the military. It's a military training base and it's just rotten because there's absolutely nothing up there but dust and sand fleas and all that good stuff. But Gaylord being right next door, I don't know what the population is. Um, I'm surprised. Oh, yeah, actually, I did put it on here. Gaylord, no, I didn't. Gaylord is in a town of about half the size of Allegan, Michigan, the area we were in. But yet their church was triple our size and had a college and had a Christian school. And that really struck me. That's like, man, if I ever get to be part of a church, what kind of church do I want to be a part of? And I said it from the very first time I stood up here in front of you guys. John fifteen sixteen, To go forth and bring forth fruit. We've got to be active. We've got to be doing stuff to grow. We've got to be doing stuff to bring fruit to God. We're not here to just sit here. We're here to grow as a church. And to do that, we have to, we have to minister to each other. We have to minister to Pastor Tommy. We have to look at what everybody's needs are. Which church do we want to be 10 years from now? Think about that. Let's stand for a verse of invitation.